You've heard of Grammarly, and you might think it's a fancy spell check, but people on your team have been using it and loving it for years because it does way more than you realize. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that works seamlessly across apps and websites and can write an instant first draft in a few clicks, not a few hours. When every word your team writes is clear, concise and on brand, companies can save 19 days per employee per year. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. From the heart of where innovation, money, and power collide, in Silicon Valley and beyond, this is Bloomberg Technology with Emily Chang. Chang in San Francisco, and this is Bloomberg Technology. Coming up in the next hour, the plot thickens. Twitter adds Elon Musk to its board just a day after Musk disclosed he is now Twitter's largest shareholder. Turns out former CEO Jack Dorsey and new CEO Parag Agarwal are in on it. What does it all mean for Twitter, free speech, and the world's most public town square? We will uncover this story from all angles through the hour. Plus, what's it like to work on a board with Elon Musk anyway? We'll be joined by former Tesla board member Steve Wesley, who will share the good, the bad, and the unexpected that comes with having one of the world's most controversial innovators in the room. And he has fashioned himself as a free speech defender, but will Musk be good or bad for free speech? Could this open the door to former President Trump being unbanned from the platform? We'll debate. But first, Twitter shares still soaring on all of this, up another 2% after a 27% spike Monday. Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow here to break it all down, and Ed, we can debate the long-term impacts of this, but no question it's been good for investors the last 48 hours. Yeah, exactly so, especially considering it was a day where equities broadly were lower, especially tech stocks as yields were rising. We had a lot of hawkish comments out of the Fed, which weighed on technology shares, and yet Twitter bucked the trend right, bam, up another 2%, its biggest two-day gain in record above on record above 30 percent and here's the reality of the situation if you come with me into my bloomberg uh, terminal there's just a staggering volume of twitter shares that have exchanged hands over the last two days i mean that chart emily says it all look at the right hand side of the screen 216 million shares changing hands on tuesday that's after more than 250 million shares changed hands on monday investors also taking a real interest on the retail side you look at many of the trading platforms like fidelity for example 
We'll touch on this later in the show, but a lot of demand for Twitter shares as investors try and work out, well, is this a good thing? Elon Musk being on the board of the company, the direction of travel on the stock certainly suggests so. Final chart is a little bit of irony in all of this. This is year to date, Twitter and Tesla. And before the big surge we got on Monday, around 28%, another 2% on Tuesday, Twitter was down year to date. It's now very firmly in positive territory year to date. And as you can see, we're now outperforming Tesla on a year to date basis, which is higher. It's up around 3%. And it's interesting the direction of travel, the Elon Musk effect that you have about these stocks and how he uses Twitter as a mechanism to communicate with investors. Well, I'm sure we're going to be paying a lot closer attention to Twitter now, Em. All right, Ed Ludlow, thank you. Now, in yet another plot twist, Twitter CEO Parag Agarwal announcing Elon Musk has joined Twitter's board. And Jack Dorsey, who's set to leave the board in May, says he's happy about it. Musk's Twitter ownership will be capped at 14.9% as a board member to avoid him having undue influence, though he's currently at 9.2%, which will give him plenty of influence enough. Let's discuss the move and more with Techonomy founder David Kirkpatrick, along with Bloomberg's Max Chafkin. Max, Elon Musk has often talked about his Tesla master plan. What do you think his master plan is for Twitter, and how does it fit into Twitter's master plan for well, Twitter? Well, I think that Elon Musk really likes Twitter. He's obviously a uh, enthusiastic user, and, and you can totally see why uh, Twitter would want him on the board. I think for Musk, um, the master plan is, as you said, f about Tesla. And I think what's what's happening here, although I, I'm sure Elon has some really big ideas for for Twitter, you know, around free speech. The, I think the really the game behind this is protecting Tesla's most important, you know, marketing channel. And you know, Ed mentioned it's Elon Musk's, you know, sort of way of communicating with investors, of of just sort of raising enormous amounts of almost unlimited capital for Tesla. It's also this great way that he's been able to market, you know, both himself and the cars. And I think, uh, you know, having a, a stake in that, literally a seat on Twitter's board, um, is going to help him in the long term. You know, yesterday, uh, Twitter's value, you know, went up a bunch. $800 million or so would have been Musk's gain. Tesla went up a whole lot more, you know, a whole lot less as a percentage, but, but Musk made a lot more money on Tesla. His money is still in Tesla, and I think we should still be thinking about it in those terms. Now, looking at these tweets from Parag Agarwal and Jack Dorsey today, Parag tweeting, I'm excited to share we're appointing Elon to our board. Uh, it became clear to us through conversations in recent weeks that he would bring great value to our board. Jack Dorsey then retweeting this, and what you can imagine is a coordinated effort, saying, I'm really happy Elon is joining the board. He cares deeply about our role and Twitter's role in it. Parag and Elon both lead with their hearts, and they will be an incredible team. David, what do you make of their wholehearted embrace of this? Well, first of all, we know that Jack Dorsey and Elon Musk are good friends, and they sort of think alike in a lot of ways, uh, although certainly Elon Musk is a much more impetuous person than Jack Dorsey. But, um, you know, you have to say, having the richest man in the world, uh, one whose every move is attended to with such incredible uh, attention, has got to be good for any company. Uh, it's certainly been good for Tesla, and I think that if he really cares about Twitter, which he must, although this is something we're really just learning that he cares about it organizationally as opposed to just being one of its greatest power users, um, he's going to certainly bring tremendous value to their deliberations about strategy and product design, etc. Now, what kind of freedom do you think Elon Musk feels he is lacking on Twitter, given that he seems to have roamed there quite freely? 
Um, yeah, well, I think there's some risk, though, to, to Elon's uh, Twitter presence. First of all, he's somebody who's continually pushing the, the boundaries, right? And Twitter has been, you know, aggressive, or not aggressive, but, but has made some moves in terms of trying to rein in, um, you know, what it terms misinformation or hate speech and, and that sort of thing. He's also in the midder, middle of this very messy fight with the SEC over tweets that he sent, you know, years ago. Uh, Tesla has this Twitter sitter, and right around the same time that um, uh, Musk was acquiring these Twitter stakes, there's a court filing that drops where Musk is complaining about, about his, you know, being muzzled as he saw it by the SEC. So I could see it both, you know, as, as partly as a protective action. You know, this is a way for him to ensure that this um, stays put. Now, it'll be interesting, David, how this impacts the rest of the social media landscape. There was uh, you know, quite a moment, um, Elon Musk, in response to his question about an edit button, got a lot of feedback, including from Andrew Bosworth, who's now the CTO of Facebook, saying that they solved uh, the, the question of editing on Facebook long ago. You just leave a log of the edit. Elon Musk responds, Facebook gives me the willies. What do you think having Elon in Twitter's corner, or at least on Twitter's board, means for Facebook? Well, I would reiterate that having him on your corner is going to be bad for your rivals, um, period. Um, I would say many of us find things that have happened on Facebook give us the willies in recent years, so I can understand why he would say that. And I do think Twitter, on balance, has been a more responsible platform than Facebook. Um, the confusing thing is his repeated statements are several times saying, you know, he wants free speech to be more allowed on Twitter, that he thinks it's, it's going to be more, that it's maybe too restrictive. And it doesn't really make sense to me since he has never been restricted by Twitter itself. He's been restricted by the SEC, and I think he's had second thoughts about some of his own tweets. But... Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I think it, it's bad for Facebook. I do think maybe an edit function is a good idea for Twitter. I, I personally have trouble using Twitter. I'm a, I, I just find it awkward and off-putting in many ways. I'm an outlier in the tech journalism community in that way. But I can understand Twitter needs product improvements. Even Jack Dorsey says that all the time and doesn't make any bones about it. And yet, uh, Katie Stanton, longtime former Twitter vet veteran, was on the show yesterday. She said this is a pretty expensive way to add an edit button if that's what you want. Max, you know, as you point out, Elon Musk like, likes making jokes, but he's rarely doing it just to joke. I mean, a stake is now worth four billion dollars. So, there has to be more than an edit button desire here, right? Right. And I think that's why, you know, David's point notwithstanding, um, Twitter's playing with fire here. I mean, Elon Musk is really good at attracting attention. There's obviously, we saw in that chart, there is a large community of investors who will basically buy anything that he tells them to. And that's really good. But if, but if Twitter has a bad quarter or, you know, if Twitter loses, you know, 20, 25% of its market value, you know, that's disastrous for Twitter's management team. And that's just like a blip on Elon Elon Musk's radar. It doesn't affect his long-term uh, visions or anything like that. So the, the, the fear, I think, would be this is somebody who has, ha in the past, had trouble reining himself in, is very impetuous, and now all of a sudden Twitter, this you know, relatively small company, is, is attached to the Elon Musk train. So, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to ride that wave for better and probably for worse. So here's an open question. What does this mean for former President Trump, David, who has been banned from Twitter, I've asked Twitter executives, CFO Ned Siegel, many times if there's a path for him to come back, and he has said no. 
Could this, could this open the door, David? Well, it's a very legitimate question given uh, given the point that uh, Musk has made about uh, free speech. Because the first thing you think of, if Twitter were more lax in enforcing its speech rules, the implication, the number one implication would be that Trump might be allowed back on. I don't think of Musk as a particular defender of Trump. I think he's in, a libertarian by inclination, although he has a very complex mix of views. Uh, so I would say, if anything, it's positive for the ex-president, but um, we can't know. Uh, there's so many things about this we can't know. The speed with which it all happened is dizzying. You know, it's, it's, I've just been thinking, what a weird thing. The richest man in the world is so incredibly impetuous. You never know what he's going to do next. It's like he's a professional global entertainer or something. So it, it, all the implications are going to be found out only through time, I'm afraid. The plot has thickened indeed. David Kirkpatrick, founder of Techonomy and Bloomberg's own Max Chafkin. Thank you both. Coming up, we're going to hear from a Republican representative, Daryl Issa, his thoughts on what Musk means for free speech and what is it like working on a board with Elon Musk. We'll ask a former Tesla board member. That is next. This is Bloomberg. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. Well, lawmakers on both sides of the aisle have had plenty to say about Twitter's handling of free speech on its platform and for different reasons. Here's Republican Representative Daryl Issa of California, earlier with my colleague David Weston. I've known Elon Musk for a long time, and I watched him break a glass ceiling that kept him from competing in, in rockets and uh, missiles. Uh, and he did so uh, over a long period of time with his dedication. He believes in sort of that free enterprise system. And so I think he's going to be a positive for a Twitter that has been erring on the side of less free speech. Uh, you might remember taking down things uh, as misinformation that later proved to be true. I think he's going to look at it as, no, we're, we're going to be for free speech in a bigger way. And I think that's positive for Twitter and it's positive for all of us who would like to see uh, 
social media be less about censoring and more about simply being a conduit for people's ideas, whether we disagree with them or not? So, so as I have been listening to Congress over the last couple of years, I hear two concerns. One is the one you just identified, and that is Twitter's role in saying who can talk and who can't talk. Uh, and I understand you're saying Elon Musk will make it freer. He won't just pre uh, prejudice in favor of his own point of view, but also in terms of concentration. There's a lot of concern about you have an antitrust responsibility as well. Are you concerned at all about this, the wealthiest man in the world now, having significant influence over Twitter? You know, 10% uh, doesn't run a company, um, and, you know, uh, there are two extreme anti-oil people on Exxon's board. So, uh, you know, I, I think that it's the power of his argument that's going to be more important than his actual vote, because he is going to be outnumbered essentially 9 to 1. Uh, but there is something else here at work, and that is that, yes, Twitter has a monopoly on one section. Facebook has a monopoly on another section. These giants we are concerned about. But remember, if they operate like your public utility, charging everyone the same amount to buy electricity and, and not shutting anyone off as long as the bill is paid, uh, then the monopoly is pretty benign. And I think that's one of the concerns we have in Congress, is not whether an entity has monopolistic power, but how they use that power, whether they abuse it or simply have the, the luxury of being the dominant force. That's been true in tech for a long time. I remember when Microsoft uh, basically owned uh, your ability to get on the internet. That's not true today, uh, but it did take looking at and making sure they were an honest broker in their tie-ins uh, some years ago. Republican Daryl Issa there of California, who himself has worked in tech and business. Well, how will having Elon Musk in the boardroom influence Twitter's handling of free speech, misinformation, and so much more? Let's get to that question now with someone who worked on a board with Elon Musk for many years. Steve Wesley is the founder of the Wesley Group and was an early investor in Tesla and a former Tesla board member. Steve, great to have you back with us. So what is it like serving on a board with Elon Musk? Well, it's never boring. Uh, and look, I, I think this is a big win for Twitter. Yeah, he's brilliant. He sees the future. He's a driver. Uh, look, for sure, he's a bit temperamental and irascible, but he pushes people to be their best. He's also, of course, Twitter's greatest power user, so I think it's a good thing. But he likes pushing boundaries. And my advice to Twitter executives is put on your track shoes now because Elon is going to push you to pick up the pace. All in all, I think that's a good thing for Twitter users and a good thing for Twitter investors. Elon is his own biggest marketer. I wonder how that could work to Twitter's advantage. Well, I, look, I, I think a case can be made that Elon's reinventing 21st century marketing. Just look what he did at Tesla. Uh, he had a marketing budget close to zero. He took every penny he could, even though we were a much smaller auto company, invested it in innovation, making greater products. In contrast, the world's major auto companies, GM, Ford, Toyota, spent billions. They could have been spending on R&D in tired commercial campaigns, Super Bowl ads, and so on. And you just have to wonder how much further ahead would the major auto companies be if they'd done what Elon did at Tesla. So I think in a lot of ways, he is the perfect poster boy for what some might call 20th century marketing, forming that direct relationship with your customer. And he's doing it all on Twitter. What's a better advertisement than Twitter uh, for Twitter than that? 
Well, he's going to have a very direct relationship with Twitter's leadership and other board members. What do you imagine his relationship with Parag Agrawal, the new CEO, will be? Well, it's not going to be quiet. I, I think he's going to push all of them. I mean, here we are, day one into this, and he's already saying, hey, maybe it's time to, to get that edit function in there. I think he's going to shake things up. I think that's part of the future. In the old days, he used to say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The new mantra of the 21st century is from Steve Jobs. If you're not busy obsoleting your own product, someone else is. And I think Elon's going to come in. I think he's going to shake things up, and he's going to simultaneously make a statement to the CEOs of the other five uh, Fortune 500 companies, you need to form a direct relationship with your customers. Twitter's probably the most cost-effective way to do it. And look, Elon is not a charismatic guy. He's slightly awkward, but he's genuine, he's real, he's authentic. I think a lot of other CEOs ought to be taking note. Now, Elon Musk has used Twitter to basically, as you say, replace his own marketing department. And I wonder how an investment in Twitter fits into the broader Musk portfolio. Do you think there's some broader endgame in terms of how Twitter relates to Tesla and SpaceX and the boring company, Hyperloop, for example? Well, look, Elon's a big picture guy. And I think what he's simply saying is, I'm an innovator. I have transformed the American auto industry, the global auto industry. I've transformed production in space. This old world marketing has got to go. CEOs of the future need a direct relationship where they can tell the truth in real time to their customers, not wait six months for a lot of crazy ads. I think that's a step forward. And I think he's going to become a role model for a lot of other, not just CEOs, but politicians. And I think having that direct relationship with the customer and the voter, instead of the canned ads that so many of us are used to, is probably a net positive but you're still going to have to manage it well. We'll see how they do. Where do you think Elon Musk falls on Twitter's banning of President Trump? So, uh, look, uh, only uh, Elon knows that. But a lot of people have said, oh, my gosh, he's a free marketeer. Uh, he's going to let Trump back on doing what he wants. I don't think that's the case. Uh, Elon has high standards. He holds people to a high standard. And, look, the reality is, and I say this for all of tech, as someone who spent part of my life as an elected official and part of my life as a tech executive, tech overall needs to hold a higher standard for people telling the truth. They need to remove people who are telling flat out lies. They need to remove people who are inciting violence. So I believe and hope he'll set a higher standard that firms like Facebook can follow. On that note, though, I mean, some would argue that Elon Musk has peddled his own version of the truth. For example, the funding secured tweet, which got him in trouble with the SEC when funding wasn't secured. Look, Elon's always pushing the boundaries. He'll be one of uh, nine board members. Uh, on par or on, uh, on the whole, I think he's going to push them to innovate in terms of setting government policy, what the standards are. I don't know if he'll be taking the lead on that. I think he's more of an innovator, more of a tech guy, but we'll see. One thing I can promise you, it won't be boring. <laughs> it won't be boring indeed. Steve Wesley, founder of the Wesley Group, former Tesla board member Steve, good to have you back with us.
A few other stories we continue to watch. Amazon is buying dozens of rocket launches to deploy satellites for its high-speed internet service. The company will buy as many as 83 launches from Ariane Space, Blue Origin, and United Launch Alliance. Amazon's license with the FCC requires it to launch at least half its 3,200 satellites by July 2026. And Mackenzie Scott has transformed American philanthropy in the last three years by giving away $12.4 billion, often to overlooked causes. She's now stepping up her donations outside of the United States. Scott's latest giving spree, $3.9 billion, including about 60 nonprofits based outside the U.S. These serving causes across five continents, from Micronesia to Brazil. And IBM banking on the lingering relevance of mainframe computers at a time when many businesses are moving to the cloud. The company has unveiled a new model designed for corporate data centers. IBM has been marketing itself as a key player to support data storage both on-premise and in the cloud. Coming up, we'll have more on what Elon Musk plans could be for Twitter and especially free speech. That's next. This is Bloomberg. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message, and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise, and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. I'm Emily Chang in San Francisco. Well, you've heard it from investors to analysts to Twitter's own CEO and former CEO. There are a lot of opinions out there about what Elon Musk means for Twitter. Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow has been taking a look at the market's view on it. And Ed, so far, so good here. Is there any indication that this could be bad for investors? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the stock is held up for two days, right? Only a 2% gain on Tuesday. But over the two days, that's the biggest two-day jump in Twitter's history as a public company. And what's more, you know, the broad range of analyst notes that came out in reaction to the news that Elon Musk had been first taking a stake in Twitter, but then second of all, been appointed as a board member, were largely positive. You know, they basically range from the opinion that they'll help, he'll help Twitter by association, right? He has some star power, the Elon Musk effect, but also he has good ideas. He has a track record of innovation, which could help. But there's an interesting thing, Em. There's a gap between what people see as him doing for the platform and what they see him doing for the stock. So coming into my Bloomberg terminal and take a look at this chart, there's been a big pop in the stock, right? You see that on the right-hand side, which is the white line. The blue line is the average analyst 12-month price target 
for Twitter, which you can see is around $44 a share when we're currently trading at $51 a share. What's interesting, some analysts even cut their price targets after the recent run-up in the stock because they don't think there's that much upside to run. So there's this gap in where people think that Elon Musk could take Twitter and where they see the stock in going. And there's a further breakdown of that real quick, M, which is the influence of retail investors. I told you earlier in the show that around 460 million shares of Twitter had changed hands over the last two days. But there's real insatiable retail investor appetite. These are the top names on Fidelity's trading platform over the last session, Tuesday's trading session. Twitter number one, more than 10,000 buy orders for Twitter and around 8,600 for Tesla. The third company is Sunshine Bio, a, a, a bio company uh, in pharmaceuticals. But clearly, it's not just Wall Street looking at this and going, hmm, what's Elon Musk going to do? But the retail investor, just as they've done with the t uh, Tesla story, hanging on Elon Musk's every word, have bought in over the last two sessions as well. All right, Ed Ludlow, thank you. I want to stick with this and bring in our next two guests, Tim O'Brien, a senior columnist for Bloomberg Opinion, and Jennifer Greigel, associate professor of communication at Syracuse University. Tim, I want to start with you. Not only has Twitter added Elon Musk to their board, but Parag Agarwal said that they have been talking to him for weeks. Why is that significant? Well, it's significant because Elon Musk took a stake in this company under the guise essentially of being a passive investor, which meant if you're, if you're following that classic definition, uh, that he was merely stopping by and parking his money and was going to watch from the sidelines and not seek great changes or significant changes at the company, not do things like seek a board seat, for example, um, all of which was up in the air yesterday when this investment was disclosed. And then lo and behold, we find today that he has a board seat and that Twitter's CEO uh, has said that they've been talking together for weeks, which certainly doesn't bear any hallmarks of a passive investor. Uh, I don't think anyone thought he would be a passive investor uh, in this. I think he's, he is an activist by nature. Um, but I also think it represents a little bit uh, just another tiny chapter in, in Elon Musk flouting his, you know, thumbing his nose at convention and at SEC guidelines as he sees fit. He has had a long run-in with the SEC about tweeting inside information or misleading information. <laughs> and and, and I, su I suspect this will be a little bit more fodder for the SEC to chew on. Now, Musk has been positioning himself as a free speech defender. Uh, Professor Greigel, what do you think that means for President Trump in particular. Where does Musk or will Musk fall on this? This really isn't about free speech. If anything, Twitter has just become a little bit more about Elon's speech. <laughs> he just bought a large portion of this company and gets to kind of steer what happens there now. If anything, He's figured out that this is a powerful platform. Maybe he took some notes from Mark Zuckerberg and others that uh, you need to have some influence over a platform. So I, uh, I think, uh, if anything, the future for former President Trump is still TBD. But, you know, I've never seen it as a ban. It's a ban for as long as those who are in control of the company want it to be a ban. And we just need to be realistic about that. Tim, what's your response to that in your column today? You refer to Elon as a quote-unquote world-class troll. Because that's how he's used Twitter historically. For as much, you know, he defines himself as a self-described free speech absolutist. 
and yet he's uh, routinely over the years tried to shut down his critics, uh, silence them. He's used Twitter to savage them, to make fun of them. He's used Twitter as a troll to, to go after people. He's used Twitter to talk up his own investments in things like cryptocurrencies. Um, and so this whole time that he's in the recent weeks where he said that Twitter is throwing blockades in the way of free speech and that maybe he needs to um, launch a new platform, some of the enticing things he put out there prior to this investment being disclosed, really won't run counter to his entire personal experience on Twitter. He has been unfettered on Twitter. Um, but Elon Musk is a libertarian, and I think he has a posture uh, that is part of the far-right zeitgeist right now that the social media platforms have turned against conservatives, uh, when in fact I think the social media platforms have finally woken up to some of the virtues of policing divisive propaganda, which is I think a different thing than free speech in certain cases. So Hang on, Tim. We've actually got some breaking news now. Twitter has just announced via a tweet from its Twitter communications account that they are, the company is working on an edit button internally. This is a feature that they have been testing um, and testing and working on since last year. Tim, your reaction? Uh, well, you know, Elon Musk tweeted last night after his investment was disclosed that he'd really like to see an edit button at Twitter. So I suppose this is Twitter making a big, bold public statement that they're responsive to what Elon Musk wants to see. Uh, but of course, they've been working on this for a long time. If they step up their pace on things like better user experiences, better communication tools on Twitter because Elon Musk is there, that's great, and that's good for investors, and it's good for its users. That's as, that, again, that's apart from what he might do to either curtail or, or pervert actual free speech on the platform itself. Professor Griggle, Elon aside, how do you think an edit button would change the nature of Twitter? I mean, this is the company, this is something that users, some users have been asking for for a long time, but Twitter has always resisted, I believe, in the name of uh, maintaining and protecting the authenticity of the platform. I don't think this is about typos, <laughs> you know, like, I, uh, I think he's trying to use this as a way to, to look like he's appealing to the public, that he's some type of, like, rebel leader, you know, but... Uh, Elon Musk is about the only thing I'm sure of is that he's really good at accumulating wealth. Um, and with that comes power. So, you know, again, there's been some conversation about how Facebook lets you edit things too. And Facebook and Twitter are not the same thing. Um, last time I checked, journalists around the world have not been embedding Facebook posts in news stories. Um, and uh, I think it just would fundamentally kind of change what the platform is. But like, Maybe that's what Elon wants to do. I don't. I don't know why he's uh, taking a, a stake in this, other than he's figured out that this is somehow going to help him serve his agenda. So, oh, we'll we'll have to wait and see. But it will, I would think, culturally change what Twitter is, and maybe that's for the best. Maybe he wants to burn it down, and you know, maybe that's a good thing at this point. It's it's just a bunch of CEOs, politicians, state actors, and folks like exploiting this, circumventing the press. Maybe it's. Uh, Maybe it's not that great anymore. To that point, Tim, 
in your article uh, just this week where you suggest that Elon Musk could be bad for free speech, the venture capitalist Mark Andreessen reposted it, uh, didn't seem to agree with your premise. Elon Musk then commented saying uh, that uh, such an article is always uh, good for a laugh. He confused uh, the fact that your article written for Bloomberg was actually republished in the Washington Post. But what do you make of a quote-unquote defender of free speech criticizing your free speech? Well, they're entitled to do that because I believe in free speech too, so I'm okay with that. I, I think that you know Mark Andreessen and, and Elon Musk are, are cut from the same cloth. They're Silicon Valley titans who have a view of the world, I think, that is pretty mechanistic and individualistic. There can be virtues to that, but I think when you're talking in the context of why they have an interest about the kind of speech that appears on Twitter, it has nothing actually to do with free speech and has everything to do, I think, with their own biases being put to the test by the things that appear on Twitter. Tim O'Brien, Bloomberg Opinion, Jennifer Grekel, uh, professor at Syracuse University. So much, uh, so much to continue to debate. Thank you both. Let's get to our crypto report now and come back to today's main story. Elon Musk joining Twitter's board. How will this shape the social platform's future? Will it bring the elements of blockchain networks into Twitter? Let's talk about all of this and more with Kristen Smith, executive director of the Blockchain Association. And Kristen, it's no secret that Twitter has been um, bulking out some of its crypto features. They've got this uh, blue sky project that they've been exploring. But what do you make of Elon Musk's influence on the crypto community and how that could influence Twitter? Yeah, these are all great questions, Emily. I think Elon Musk's um, news about him taking such a large stake and joining the board of Twitter is very important. I think I think one of the reasons is he really truly understands the value of cryptocurrency, whether it be uh, you know Bitcoin or Dogecoin. Uh, he has and he knows the value of open source networks, and he knows the value when you have many multiple minds thinking and building on how to create a better network. That's very different than a centralized company like Twitter. Um, so what I think is going to be interesting is, is he going to bring these elements of the crypto world, these anti-censorship elements, the open source elements, and allow for a way for new people to come in and maybe import their own algorithm that could potentially go through and sort the news in the way that they want to be seen, not in the way that Twitter is dictating that it be seen. So I do think there is a potential for innovation here. And, you know, given that, you know, we represent the uh, crypto industry at the Blockchain Association, um, we're hopeful that that by, you know, bringing in this kind of mindset that there will be new ways to to uh, get this platform um, to a place that serves more, more of its users, um, because it certainly is an incredibly powerful platform, and I would argue probably the most powerful platform for uh, sharing and receiving information. 
And, and just how important is Twitter, do you believe, to the crypto community? Obviously, there's a strong and very passionate uh, community of cryptocurrency supporters on Twitter. I mean, we call it crypto Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> often crypto topics are trending on Twitter because of, 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 of the volume of these users there. Yeah, no, crypto Twitter is is a real thing. And it's really interesting because what you have, Twitter enables developers all across the globe to debate whether or not they should make technological changes to open source networks. It, it's a forum for this kind of debate. It's, it's really a public commons for exchanging ideas and a way for people that have very targeted and narrow interests to find one another and to build a community. And I think the crypto community uses Twitter perhaps more so than any other community or ecosystem out there. Um, it's also an incredibly powerful tool for the crypto community. The If you look back to last summer in August, we had over 40,000 phone calls generated to the U.S. Senate over the course of five days because they shared a link on Twitter and it went viral and you had um, crypto Twitter influencers, you had members of the House and Senate tweeting these links, uh, you had celebrity influencers, you had business leaders. Um, you know, this is a tool for political activism. It's a tool for sharing and debating ideas. It's an incredibly important platform. And I think it's one where concepts that we find every day in the crypto world will only improve the way that the platform can work. So I'm, I'm excited to see you a part of it. The SEC has obviously been paying attention to Elon Musk, and he's had some run-ins with them before. How do you imagine the SEC is watching this stake in Twitter, his influence on Twitter in particular? Well, I think the SEC pays very close attention to what he does. They also pay very close attention to, to the crypto community. So um, definitely a lot of eyes uh, going on out there. But listen, I think is you know as long as he's transparent with what's going on and brings perhaps more transparency, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing for, for him to, to be a part of it. And um, I don't think it should pose any problems um, for the SEC at this time. But, but yeah, I'm sure that they have a, keep a close eye on him uh, just, just like they do uh, with many other people in the crypto space. They are most definitely watching. Kristen Smith, Executive Director of the Blockchain Association, thank you for joining us. I think he really believes he can do something really good for society with this platform. He's uh, certainly making a statement, and uh, it's a statement about censorship. He, he doesn't agree with censorship uh, uh, for a smooth functioning democracy. I interpret this as uh, a sign of just how influential Elon Musk is. Um, there's nothing changed in the fundamental outlook for uh, Twitter. I think this really just starts what's going to be, I think, a broader strategic initiative for Elon at Twitter. I think it's a very expensive way to get yourself an edit button. Um, I think it's a very interesting move. Um, Elon is obviously a power user. He knows the product well. He knows that Twitter is the place for the world's conversation. It'll either be Agrawal changing uh, the policy of the company to, you know, really open source uh, the the, the uh, censorship uh, or or call people out on censorship uh, or it will be a management change I, I don't know what's going to happen 
Twitter shares, meantime, have skyrocketed since the news of Elon Musk's stake in the company. But how long can the rally last? Brent Thill of Jeffries joins us now. He currently has a hold on the company. And Brent, are you sticking with it? Sticking with the hold, yeah, the big move. Uh, clearly a positive move uh, for the company, not taking anything away on that side. But when you have a you know 30 plus percent move, uh, it's embedding a, a lot of the the fundamental improvement, which we haven't seen yet, uh, as my okay. friend Mark Mahaney pointed out in the earlier segment. You know, we I think many of us have, have been asking advertisers, you know, has anything changed? And the answer is no. Uh, so clearly, this is a bet on the future that they can take the foundation. You know, I, I've called this a uh, a foundation of a great car, but Elon knows how to put the pet uh, or the dog mode inside the car to let your dog in the car. That the whole user interface. Uh, in terms of what he's done in, in the auto world, uh, I think he can bring a lot to to this world. Uh, and, and I think it's he's going to have no doubt a positive impact. It's going to take time. And so investors right now are betting not for the next quarter or two, but they're betting a year out that, that that's going to have an improvement, which I think, again, is great for long-term shareholders. Short-term, I think there's going to be a lot of volatility in the stock still. So here's the question. Will this materially change the game for... Twitter's business. I mean, there was an argument made earlier that Twitter could spend less on marketing because Elon Musk will do that for them via Twitter. Uh, but, but, but really, though, when you look at the balance sheet, how will this change? I don't know if it's a game changer. I mean, look, the board is stacked. I mean, they have a phenomenal board. Brett Taylor from Salesforce.com, he's a product guy. He created the, 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 the thumbs up for Facebook. I mean, he knows how to, how to effectively create amazing products. So they are surrounded by really good product people. And I think right now, Twitter uh, doesn't have an awareness issue. They have a usability issue. And that is what I think many of the advertisers and end users are still looking for uh, better, better solutions from them. Advertisers, you know, one advertiser last week said it perfectly. Snap has had 10 improvements to the platform in the last year. Twitter hasn't had that many in a decade. Okay, that to me... Uh, is the opportunity. And I think this is why he's betting a huge amount of his own, well, one less than 1% of his net worth, a huge amount for all the rest of us on the planet. Uh, he's putting a big dollar amount in uh, because he sees the future of three, five years that if they can make these changes and make it more usable and they can get, you know, today, right, there's over two, three billion on Facebook's platform, you know, over 200 million end users today. It's a tiny number relative to right. those that are on other platforms. Brent, what are the risks of bringing Elon Musk into the room? Big ideas can go haywire, right? You, you can see uh, some of these ideas. I'm sh no doubt he's going to have huge influence on that board and the management team to make some big, big bets. And anytime you make a big bet, it, it can flare up. Uh, but we we know uh, that uh, we think he's going to have a very positive impact. I, I don't. I think one person's view and opinion on this uh, as a board member. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of other voices, and I think it's it's run it's it's going to be run very well over time. I think uh, so. I, I don't think the I think the risk right now is just stock taking huge run in and beds. Near term fundamentals are turning. If fundamentals don't turn in the next quarter or two, uh, then investors are going to going to be be put on hold in the short term. I don't think there's a lot of downside given that he's in. I think you know, as we say, DBAM don't bet against Musk. You know, you've got a a nice floor probably put in in the short term given his arrival. 
Uh, but the, the the risk is that the recent run in the stock uh, combined with this is going to take several quarters. This is not going to be right. an overnight experiment that that turns uh, that turns out a, a you know a perfect solution. But it is certainly going to be an entertaining one. Brent Thill no of Jefferies, we are along for that ride. Thank you. That does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. Make sure to tune in tomorrow. We'll continue our coverage of Elon Musk's big stake in Twitter. Daphne Keller of Stanford will be joining us uh, along with Bitcoin 2022. That kicks off in Miami. We'll have a slew of special guests. I'm Emily Chang in San Francisco. This is Bloomberg.